Happy birthday! To me? To you! Yeah! And to F.P. Jones. Yeah! We do not share the same birthday, but it themes. Themes are happening right now. That's right, we are a Riverdale Recap Podcast, and we are here to talk to you today about Chapter 50, The Big 5-0. Oh my god, did um, they plan that? It is a For scripted what? series, after all. Hmm. Chapter 50, American Dreams by Roberto Aguirre Sacasa and directed by Gabriel Correa. Correa? One of those. Mm, I don't know. Well, if we ever meet them. (laughs) Let us know. I suppose I should ask. Yes. So we we open on this episode with Jughead at his trusty typewriter Mm -hmm. writing about the American Dream. And how for his dad, who's on the eve of his 50th birthday, mm-hmm. we are already mentioning the episode number and title. <laughs> this, this dream, though, is, is family. The American Dream essentially exists just to give novelists something to, to talk about, mm-hmm. usually with wry irony. I don't think anyone else cares about the American Dream. It's just novelists and people running for Congress that no one else Nowadays, it's all the people <laughs> our age who are like, yeah, that ain't gonna fucking happen. Okay. Own a house? No. <laughs> Have children? Can't afford them. <laughs> Go for more college just because? Definitely not. No. In debt for life. Mm-hmm. It is fun watching the, the news this week and thinking, huh, we do a stupid Riverdale show where we mostly talk about boners, but two weeks ago there was that rant. About uh, how the the necessities of life should not be gated behind class barriers as represented by uh, uh, college admissions. Yeah, (laughs) that's really relevant right now. (laughs) Leave Felicity Huffman alone and pay attention to the people who are even far richer than her. I mean, don't leave her alone, but pay attention to the people even far richer than her that are keeping their names out of the papers. Yeah, she just can't afford to keep her name out. Yeah. So probably anyone that's richer than her, we can just yeah, assume. We we'll can just, just assume. Yes. So uh, Jughead is watching his parents be all cute mm-hmm. as uh, they all eat breakfast. And, and Gladys is all like, eat up. We're going to go for a ride. Did she Got actually? Surprise. Did she actually cook the bacon this time? I don't know. Because last time she definitely did not. No? No, that was some raw bacon she served Jughead a week or two ago. Oh, I didn't even see. (laughs) But in this scene, we get the most important part of the whole episode. Hot dog's there. Hot dog's there! Because he goes from (laughs) the fact like, oh, wife, son, daughter, loyal dog, and oh my god, hot dog's not dead. Seems to be twice the size that we last saw hot dog. Hot dog was apparently a puppy at the time. Very shaggy. And I'm glad that he apparently lives with them and just hides under the bed most of the time and sleeps. I don't know. Wouldn't you? If you were in this town, would you ever leave your house? No. So Gladys uh, takes them 
to their new home. The one house we know is for sale in Riverdale. <laughs> the Cooper house. This homey little two-story on Elm Street. Uh, we, we knew the house had an anonymous buyer, but Gladys is shocked to see Alice Cooper walking out of the door of her new house. <laughs> Apparently an anonymous seller as well. Yes, she said that she paid for it online. Mm-hmm. Like you can apparently do. I don't think you can do that for a house. Without ever finding anyone's name. And like, it's it's not like there was an agency. Yeah. Alice, <laughs> Alice was, was selling, selling it, her- it herself. Uh, so Alice is surprised to see Gladys and Gladys is surprised to see Alice. And everyone's like, what? Also, why is that wall all scorchy? <laughs> well, they haven't gotten to qu- that quite yet. <laughs> Of course, Betty's there. She's like, you sold our house to the Joneses and FP and Jughead are like, not, a, no, no, not, not us. Not. We had nothing to do with this. Everybody we... should just point at Jellybean. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, nope. So, yes, they go in. They see the scorched wall. Uh, FP's like, I, I think we can just like, this didn't happen. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, let's forget this deal. And Alice is like, no, I don't want the house. <laughs> And I'm a little surprised that Gladys, I guess in a realistic world, this is what would happen. Gladys would join FP and and Jughead because there was no mention of of extensive reconstruction required. Giant fire. When the money was put up. I mean, she bought it, but I guess they haven't closed since they're still there. There's been no no signature on, on any property. From the look of it. Yeah. Or else they would have known who was selling. So, I mean, in reality, she could back out, like, immediately and be fine. We know how the law works in Riverdale. <laughs> There's only one lawyer, and she seems to, to go wherever the wind takes her. Yes. Um. So, Jughead and Betty uh, have a nice little chat about how he's like, well, don't worry, I'm not going to move in. She's like, but your family seems pretty, well, your mom at least seems pretty content mm. on it. And then he's like, well, even with this sale, like, you can still stay in your room. Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, but then we find out that that's a little weird. And, it um, is a little weird. It's very weird. Uh, Betty is considering or is planning to go stay with Veronica for a while. She doesn't know half the people that would be living in that house from Adam. And that went so well for her last year. Yeah. With this, I guess I guess we move on to they go to Pops and catch up with mm-hmm. Archie. They even mention it as having a, a breakfast meeting. Like Jughead, you already ate a breakfast. It's Jughead. He can have <laughs> second breakfast. And people say he's not food obsessed enough on this show. He has two full breakfasts. Uh so Jughead has pulled the files on Warden Norton. Uh, and he knows a guy at the sheriff's office, you might say. Yeah. And so he apparently knows paper and printing really well because he has compared Warden Norton's card to the card that, uh, Joaquin's brother had. And it's all the same paper and printed. It's almost like multiple red paladin cards came to out of the world, like from the same place. And I'm like, (laughs) From this game that seems to have been mass produced by a printing company? With with Uh, like a factory press box? I'm not surprised, Jughead. (laughs) I'm really not. But they are surprised. Uh, They they still believe that this was somebody's like basement zine. Though everyone has it. There's (laughs) hundreds and hundreds of copies. 
The, the question is how many more of these red pal- kill the red paladin quest cards there are in the wild and who put them there. Yes. I'm going to say Parker Brothers. Let's track down these mysterious brothers. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to go check in with uh, Cheryl, who has surprised Tony with a ski trip to Quebec. Yeah. Like you do. For spring break. Uh, and Tony's like, fuck Cabo. We're going to go be snow bunnies. <laughs> And uh, and she, I guess, had bought Tony a very floofy coat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Tony's like, well, the Pretty Poisons and I were planning a trip. They're going to the lake. Yes. And so Cheryl's very pissed off about this. And mm-hmm. it's just like, fine, we don't have to go anywhere. But before they can make up, Tony has to go to work. She so. got a new job last episode, remember? <laughs> yes. So meanwhile, Archie has an idea about where these cards could have come from, and he believes that one of the Parker brothers might be Hiram. (laughs) So, you know, he shows up, and Hiram's like, oh, how's it going, Archie? Well, you know, it was pretty good until a homeless kid stabbed me in my house. (laughs) And I love that Hiram is honestly surprised. (laughs) Like, not what I expected. Somehow I'm surprised you were getting stabbed. I can't wait to see the the deleted scene where we see Archie's deductive capabilities where it's like where this game is following me that where did this role playing game come from who do I know that used to be my brother my has been brother my has bro where do I the Hiram Lodge yeah yeah so Archie shows him the card and is like you started this quest uh, you gave this card to Warden Norton. Mm-hmm. Who else did you give a card to? Apparently there's an even dozen of these out in the wild. Three went- Expansion pack. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew? Imagine you're playing this game like, I can't believe I have to kill the fucking Red Paladin again. You're not yeah. supposed to grind in these games, Game Master. <laughs> I don't want to return 12 Red Paladin pelts to, to the auction house. <laughs> But yeah, three went to Norton. He kept one himself. Yes. Nine went to Tallboy to distribute to to the more zealous players as as part of the Fizzle Rocks community. That that Fizzle Rocks G and G connection. Yes. Archie points out to him that even though there's a truth or truce between them, it's still going on. This mm-hmm. has not ended, and he is. Still being sought after. He wound a clock that is still ticking, I believe is the metaphor. Yes. So Jughead clearly coached him before this conversation. Yeah. It's a very Jughead line. Uh, so Hiram talks about uh, how he might be able to help and provides him with the addresses of the uh, hotspots for Fizzle Rocks and G&G around town. The places that they would deliver things. And I'm so hoping this is just a list of, like, hobby stores, uh, uh, board game cafes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a bar... Internet cafes. A barcade or two. <laughs> it's Riverdale. They can't have a barcade. They only have one restaurant. A middle school uh, uh, cafeteria, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Cheryl goes to... Uh, the speakeasy mm-hmm. because she wants to bring fresh tweet fresh fresh tr- treats for Tony to make up in her little red riding uh, hood get up with a basket yes like you do uh, and Reggie's like oh yeah um she's downstairs and you can just tell oh this is gonna be bad there's something bad downstairs that Cheryl should not see 
And the problem is, the most fun bon- Les Bonnuis has ever looked. Like, it looks like a great karaoke party. I would actually go to this place for once. Tony and Veronica are rocking out, mm-hmm. singing a song, everyone Good. else is having a great time. And of course, they're singing Call Your Girlfriend, which makes it seem so infidelitous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Cheryl did see Veronica kiss a girl once. Yes, in the very first episode. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they're back to back, rubbing shoulders, living it up. Haven't heard Tony sing in a year. Mm-hmm. Um, Cheryl's not happy. Not, not happy, happy at all. And Tony is shocked when she sees her in the crowd. Yes. Uh, so Alice goes to pay FP a visit uh, at the sheriff's office. And uh, he lets her know that he, he didn't know about the house. She doesn't care because she's like, the house means nothing to me. Unlike you and Gladys. Yeah. She's very upset. and Alice is still carrying a torch for her super sexy high school fling. Mm-hmm. That was a adult fling a couple months ago. <laughs> He, he talks about how, well, Gladys and him are still married, and she's like, she, she left you! She left you and your child! But she came back, and she's the mother of his children, and he, he just cannot give her the, the commitment that she wants and, in there. And can't say that he loves Gladys or loves Alice. Yeah. He won't say any of it, and she is very upset. To, to be left in the lurch. He, he lets her know it's over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> F, I was never, like, Alice FP, like, shipper. But Alice is, and it, and it hurts to but, see her hurt. Well, in this moment, I'm like, FP, you know you are, too. <laughs> you know. Some part of you, perhaps just the crotch, but some part of you... <laughs> I think he really is. Yeah. He, like, won't look her in the eye because no. it's too hard. Skeet Ulrich in this scene and the final scene, like, ah, uh, he... Several. He, Skeet Ulrich has his acting, like, no, on I'm, point in this episode. This is a pretty Skeet-centric episode, yes. as much as they get, anyhow. Yeah. And he, no, he, he definitely does the job he was brought in for. Uh, so meanwhile, um, Reggie... Goes to Veronica. He, he has a case to plead. Yes, that he has invested a lot of time in the business that he wants to be her business partner. Mm-hmm. And she turns him the fuck down. Uh, he makes a great point that he has done more for this place than she has. Yes, he, he points out <laughs> as, all as the far things as he's labor. done. Been a runner, been a bouncer, been a bartender, been all these things. Has been like her main support. Mm-hmm. Has been doing everything with her. Yeah. He hid drugs perfectly. Yes. Somehow. Maybe he did all of the jingle jangle, just like, and nearly died. Yeah. And she is honestly really fucking disrespectful. (laughs) The fact, the amount of work and dedication that he has given her. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, yeah, you've been helpful. um, But, you know, being partners wouldn't be wise. She can't consider the idea of splitting, and maybe this is a reason, maybe this is just an excuse, but but splitting any sort of ownership or responsibility while they're still under these two massive loans. Well, I'm like, if she would have approached it as a, Reggie, if we become partners, this debt is on you. I don't want that. Yeah, that'd be something. I totally, like, it'd be like, she's she's looking out for him. Mm-hmm. She's 
worried about this. Everything that comes in her mouth, out of her mouth, is about how she is, like, more high and mighty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he oh, really doesn't deserve it. Was that the meaning of the really confusing quote from her abuelita that I did not uh, understand? The, no one walks on water in my place except me. I had no idea what she meant by that. But I, I just thought yeah. Abuelita had, had some weird sayings that did not translate because I didn't well, get what she meant by it. No, she she means like, <laughs> yeah, you've done all these things, but that doesn't mean that you're, you deserve this. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're not the shining star that's going to get something. And I think she meant it in a way of like, always look out for your... I'm gonna, always going to look out for myself first. But it comes across as, I am Christ. Yeah, and you're just my little minion. <laughs> yeah, you are Andrew at best, not even James or John. Yeah. Yeah. Everything that comes out of her mouth is <laughs> wrong. He, well, and he talks about how, like, he knows his worth, mm-hmm. and she should too, and he doesn't feel that she is acknowledging the work that he's doing, and he's not getting any benefit of it right right like even though they're paying back this big debt it's still the fact like i am not nothing that i have shows what i'm doing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. jughead goes to see his mom and they uh, finally have their first conversation in all these weeks which gladys really doesn't want to do and is very very suspicious of why jughead is asking questions and he straight up says well i'm kind of scared suspicious because we haven't had a conversation mom what's with buying up real estate what what's with going behind my back and destabilizing our gang by bringing in these weirdos that wanted me dead where did you get all this money let's rap mama and so she goes off about how she sold the chop shop to get this money Mm -hmm. and it's all because when she saw him in toledo saw what she was missing and, you know, she wants to be a family and she's going to get Jellybean in school. Jellybean has not been in school all this time? Apparently. What the fuck? Jellybean, you're falling behind. <laughs> These are important formative years. You need to learn about American government so that you can then unlearn what they are teaching you about American government. Yes. Yes. And and she just goes off about how all she wants is family. Well, and one more thing. She brings up that she's going to throw FP a 50th birthday party. Hooray! Uh, and she wants Jughead to give the birthday speech, which he agrees to do, but he is very suspicious about everything she has said and her motives. He does not trust her. There is a look. Uh, then we go to a commercial break, and I took the opportunity to do a little bit of math. Yes. Now, by my count, Riverdale, the, the events begin uh, 4th of July... 2016. Yes. And we are now in, because we're planning spring break trips, mm-hmm. I would say we're somewhere around mid-February 2018. Yes. FP's turning 50. That means he was born in 1968. Mm-hmm. That would put uh, the Midnight Club somewhere around 1987. Uh-huh. Which is years and years before uh, the, the implied setting from Alice's narration mm-hmm. that puts us around 91. Mm-hmm. It does make Tom Keller's enlisting to be a career soldier and then go to uh, Desert Storm a little more likely. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that means that us talking about how old Chick was before, it's now even worse. Mm-hmm. 
the the actual child born of Alice and uh, uh, FP would be about 32 now if he were still alive. He'd be older than us. He would be nearly twice Betty's age. Yes. Yeah, because when it started, I, th- I believe they were supposed to be like 16. Mm-hmm. And now they're supposed to be 17. We, we saw Jughead's 16th birthday, but due to the passage of time, he has turned 17. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm not really sure. <laughs> this is why we need a holiday special every year. Yes, any given holiday, just so we know. Like, we're, we're okay, all... Okay, we've hit a milestone, we know. Especially when there's snow in freaking June <laughs> and swimming in January. Yes, yes. Climate change has really <laughs> fucked up upstate New York yes. in this world with 23-hour days. Yes. Meanwhile... Or I guess, like, probably the next day, mm-hmm. uh, FP is having the a meeting with the serpents at the school and uh, has, is talking about how this day has finally come and they're all being deputized, blah, blah, blah. And I've brought uh, Keller here, who was the best damn sheriff we ever had. <laughs> he put me in jail a lot. It was great. And he was really, really good at putting FP in jail a lot. Mm-hmm. Also, never mind all the murders that happened on his watch. Let's not... Let's just... just shush, shush. I just like that apparently they're buddies now. The best damn sheriff we ever had. That's why my kid and his girlfriend solved all the crimes. Um, so we find out that each young serpent will be paired with a, a deputy. There's more than one cop <laughs> in this county? Where are they? Where are they hiding? And uh, they're going to learn. Uh, a, what, what makes me happy here is that over the next several months, they are going to be trained. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, thank God we're training them and we're not just handing them a fucking badge. This does call into relief the fact that FP wasn't. He just showed up one day, was given a badge, a gun, and a hat, and a car, That's why he has and to let bring... loose on the world. That's why he has to bring Keller in, is because he can't train them, because he hasn't learned. Except his own son, because he's like, Jughead boy, you're with me. And I'm like, oh no, Jughead will have no training. He won't He won't know how to read just anyone. imagine right. Tom Keller's day. Ex- actually, Every few hours he gets a phone call from the new sheriff asking where the paper clips are. <laughs> how, how do you book someone? I actually arrested someone. Is there a form? Maybe, however, maybe FP's actually really good at it because of the amount of time he spent getting arrested <laughs> and in jail. Maybe he knows, like... He at least knows the layout. He knows where the coffee maker is. He knows, like, the the spot you punch uh, on the radiator to get it working properly. Um, it's the smoothest transition they've ever had. Minetta didn't know any of that shit. He knows the proper tone to read someone their rights in to make sure they understand. Uh, the best way to make someone duck their head to get in the car. Mm-hmm, like, because mm-hmm. he's experienced All from it. experience, you know, yeah. First-hand experience goes really far. <laughs> In job training. Uh, so his his long, long rap sheet is just job shadowing, it's really. It's just his it's resume. A, it's, it's a new innovation in odd-the-job training. Yep. Okay. Uh, so Jughead and FP are, are riding in the car, and I really love this scene. Yeah. Because Jughead just starts, they just have a nice conversation. Jughead's asking, like, did you ever see yourself in the front seat of one of these... <laughs> Boy, I didn't think I'd lived C50. <laughs> you remember all the drugs I did when I was your age? 
he said, like, he legit says that he thought he would either be get killed or drink himself to death. <laughs> and he's just, like, happy to be alive. Yeah. Jughead asks about, like, what is he most proud of? And he talks about Jughead and Jellybean. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. He's so dad. He's hardcore dad. They bring up how, like, are we really doing this? Are we really moving? And he just talks about how, for the first time in his life, he's able to provide, you know, give Jughead a life that he couldn't before, and it's taken him this long, but he's finally here. And it's it's just so, like... Something something occurs to me. Mm-hmm. Do you think the plan going forward will be for FP to fill the Fred role in the show? Oh. Because, like, from this scene, like, it seems like a springboard that, that could lead in that direction. Which wasn't planned because this was right, obviously right. filmed way before. But, yes, it does set them up, depending mm-hmm. on how the next few episodes go. Like, they have an opportunity here to turn his good dad side mm-hmm. into that father figure role for them. In the back of my head, I was just wondering how much money is Molly Ringwald really going to ask for? Maybe, maybe, but like oh FP God. taking that. Would... Okay. What if, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So if they go the route of actually killing Fred's character mm-hmm. and like FP swoops in and like basically adopts Archie and like adopts the town in the way that Fred practically has. Yes, but yeah. I'm also thinking like okay, think about how like Jughead went and stayed with Archie and that. Oh, but like yeah, the same yeah. thing where they're like, and now hey, they've got the new house. They they don't move in, and things that we're gonna eventually talk about with Gladys happens, <laughs> and they move into Archie's house, like oh. just Fred and Jughead. Oh yeah, or not Fred and Jughead and FP. Mm-hmm. But I'm just I'm just imagining that type of like. It's it's okay. Yeah. We're here for you. We're we're your family. This is an avenue they could go down, and I'd be interested in seeing yeah. how how like, where that road leads. Also, in um that flip side, because I'm also thinking of that scene where FP shows up at the jail mm-hmm. when Jughead gets out, and like they're all watching, and it's like, well, he can stay with us. It's okay, and it's different type oh, of scenario. Yeah, remember but it's like when FP was a total shithead yeah. in season one? But you know, it's it's that like. <laughs> Polar opposite. Yeah, oh my yeah. god. It'd be so good and traumatic and heartbreaking. Okay, but we need to talk about hey, this we're back episode. to the, Back to the present. <sighs> so then they get a, a call over the radio uh, that it's a 1023 at the chocolate shop. <laughs> so they they gotta they gotta go. And my favorite thing is uh, Jughead saying, what's a 1023? And just silence from FP. I don't think I, he knows. Text Kevin to text his dad. I don't know. I have I have Keller on speed dial. Give him a call. <laughs> um. So apparently, what a ten twenty three is is um uh when you have your coffee in the morning. It is when a Fizzle Rock junkie throws hot coffee on Dolores, <laughs> who I didn't know worked at Pops. It's a very specific <laughs> police code. Uh, Jughead is very surprised to hear that Fizzle Rocks is moving back into town and uh, gives Veronica a very severe look when the uh, the question of why is it back, who who's who does this ladder lead to, comes up. She's like, good question. It's not my dad. So uh, we go check in with Cheryl. 
uh, talking to Nana Rose, who's watering a rose bush, and I'm like, I'm so happy to see that Nana Rose hasn't died. <laughs> I mean, we know she can't, but we haven't seen her in a really long time. We got all our favorites. We got Nana Rose. We got Hot Dog. Everybody's here. Where's Vegas? Um, Where's Joaquin? Dead. He could be a zombie. Okay. Cheryl asks Nana Rose, have, have you seen Tony? And this is, I love this. Not since she gave me an envelope of money. <laughs> I believe she called it rent. Because <laughs> Nana Rose doesn't know what the fuck rent is. This r- r- rent? Sharing? <laughs> I love, no, Nana Rose is definitely making a joke. Yes. Because there's no way she hasn't made her entire fortune on being a landlord. Yeah. But I love it. They they make all their money based on what they own, not what they do. Their their class loyalties are clear. She knows what rent fucking is. So we we go check in on Veronica, who is giving Reggie an envelope of money, and he is pissed because he's like, "So I'm just a hired hand. I'm not a partner." Which makes me wonder. Hold up, this is presented as new, right? Was Reggie working pro bono up to I, this point? I don't think Reggie was getting paid. <laughs> In those, like, five or six jobs. And I'm like, here's the deal, Veronica. No wonder he feels undervalued. He lost his car, and he's getting no money. <laughs> and he only occasionally is your boyfriend. And if the money came with a job title, like, if you just said, this isn't, you know, wage times hours, this is percentage of take. Yeah. And you just, like, fiddle the numbers so it's the same fucking thing. Whatever. He'd be fine. Does Veronica do some extra effort? He he want. It's not about, I don't think, even the money. He just right. wants recognition yes. for what he's doing. And so she gets offended that he's upset, mm-hmm. tells him to take the night, and he just, I like, feel it's bad like, fuck you all. You feel bad about my, my, yeah. my, my, my. We talked about rent. We have to do tick, tick, boom. Yeah. Yeah. I love tick, tick, boom. <laughs> tick, tick, boom is better than rent. Oh, boom. yeah. For sure. Just made so many people angry out there. The therapy song is so good. The finale is transcendent. And uh, uh, why is that the song where the hey, what a way to spend the day? It's just called Why, right? I think so. So good. Yeah. Riverdale, season four, Tick, Tick, Boom. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's a show with only three parts. It would not work for this cast. I don't give a fuck. Uh, Archie, Jughead, and Betty are having a little uh, get-together to talk about the cards. Mm -hmm. Uh, What Archie found out. They were like, okay, we got to track them down. Uh, Here's this list of places. And I was right. One of them is a comic book store. Hell yes. Comic book store. There was a laundromat. (laughs) You know, where Uh, the geeks hang out. The laundromat. So, uh, they're going to start, though, with the comic book store, uh, to begin, what do you say, nerdiest mystery? Our nerdy mystery? Their, their nerdiest mystery yet. Yeah, oh, they're, yeah. they're infiltrating Riverdale's gaming network. Through the comic book store. hmm mm-hmm. I hope they don't interrupt, uh, Friday Night Magic, because that's a huge draw. Like, that keeps these stores open in a lot of cases. Yeah. Hopefully it's not free comic book day. <laughs> Well, that's not in February, so it's fine. That's that's, that's May. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty soon. <laughs> pretty soon. Go check out Free Comic Book Day, everybody. I'm, yeah. I'm sure Archie will have uh, at least one offering. Yeah, 
It's great. Mm-hmm. And then buy something too while you're there. Buy, anything. Buy, buy plenty of any, things. Well, buy lots of stuff, but at least buy one thing. Just find something and buy it. If you would like recommendations for what to, to look at on free comic book day, tweet us at sex underscore Archie. We will tell you our favorites. Mm-hmm. Tell us what you like in other media, and we will tell you something you might really enjoy in comics. Yes. So they go to the comic book store, and they go into the back room, and they are immediately told that they're not allowed there. <laughs> but uh, Jughead relies on his old game master uh, I uh, training. I love when he becomes the game the master. Game master. <laughs> <laughs> to to parlay um, um, between equals. Oh, chill out, Game Master. I'm here to talk to you as another Game Master. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so shows them a card uh, and asks if they recognize it. And they're like, well, yes, it's in play. This, this is in play at our table, but no one here has it. It is a high-level quest. But we all know who you are, Red Paladin. Not to be taken lightly. Hail and well met. Uh, and they're all like, they will come for you. My potion is made with corn syrup. Yeah. It is red and discontinued in 2004. Here's my big thing whenever we see people playing G&G, though. I'm like, why can't they have lights on? <laughs> why are they not allowed to it's have got, an overhead light on? It's got to be really hard to read all those quest cards. Right? Uh, so later that night, Betty and Veronica are having their semi-permanent sleepover. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and it's time for some best friendy talk. Best friendy talk being criminal conspiracy time. Yeah, where, uh, Veronica just has to tell her about Miss Jones that lets her know that she has insider information that Gladys is taking over the dr- drug trade. And Betty demands to be told everything so she can tell everything to Jughead. And uh, Veronica gives, gives like a knowing nod that like, yeah, that's right. You should do that because you're in a healthy relationship. Damn, I could use one of those. <laughs> Anywhere in my life. Uh, so Archie, Betty, and Jughead are in the sex hole. Mm-hmm. They have to come up with a plan. So their plan is that Anything that comes from the Gargoyle King is considered gospel to the radical players. So what if we just send them a different message about the quest? We we alter the terms of the quest. Um, So again, victory through homebrew. Jughead's plan is essentially the same as Betty's plan with the Griffin Queen. Yes. Reinforcing what we said last week about their, their parallel actions showing how compatible they are. Yes. Jughead brings up this story about when they were in elementary school playing King of the Mountain. And he's like, you guys remember that, right? And Betty's like, no. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, I I thought like none of you, like you didn't hang out with her, but she hung out with him and you hung out with him. And And why would she be playing the the violent throw people down the hill game? Because it's fun. Yeah, okay, it's kind of fun. Kids aren't allowed to play those games anymore. You can't play King of the Mountain. You can't play Red Rover. So you're saying it's uh, a... the PC police gone wild. Is that what you want to say on record on our show? Is that the kind of show we are now? I'm saying I see. I saw a benefit of Red Rover as a child. It was fun. It made you tired. <laughs> and no, you know what? No one took it personally when they were rovered. I'm imagining you playing Red Rover at your school. Which was you at home with your brother and mom. I played it at Girl Scout camp. Okay, okay. 
We played a lot oh, of so Red Rover. So you never played it with boys. Okay, this explains a lot. Oh, girls are vicious, though. <laughs> Do you know how many bruises? What fell down in our neighbor's I, place I right there? I think their entire apartment just oh fell down. Oh, my God. Boys take it personally. And girls my- can have good fun with it, but boys just like want to punch people about it. Toxic masculinity starts young. I'll say that. <sighs> Come on. There's something very th- therapeutic about clotheslining your friend and everyone agreeing to it. <laughs> what? I love you, dear. That just went off on a tangent. Yeah. I hope they're okay over there. <laughs> I don't know. What they're going to do is basically play King in the Mountain with mm-hmm. Archie because he, like, took everyone the fuck down back then in elementary school, and he can still do that. And now he's a recognized street fighter. Yes. So they're going to call everyone in, and one challenger at a time, mm-hmm. he will take them on in hand-to-hand. They, they invent the Marcus de Queensbury rules of G&G Bloodsport. They, they just got to find a place, mm-hmm. and then they'll write a letter, and they'll send it out to the masses... And it'll be great. So once again, uh, Archie's like, mm, I know a guy. I can take care of this. Yeah. Uh, and I'm thinking, oh, he's going to go talk to Mo yeah. at the gym. No, no, no. Where, where, where would you plan a fight? But at the boxing gym where he has a part-time job and is known. and No, no, no. He must go to Hiram <laughs> to request his help to end the Red Paladin cha- challenge. And Hiram says, the excuse me what? <laughs> Uh, what the fuck is going on with the children in this? T- I can't believe you are my mortal enemy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And so Hiram's like, well, you know, I just happened to bu- buy this entire block <laughs> down by Sweetwater Pier. Here, take the keys. It was a boxing gym. Also, sure. there was a pier. Sure, fine. <laughs> From this river. Next season, we're going to find out. Because, you know, you send the like shipping cargo down the river we're gonna find out it's a full like atlantic seaboard amusement park pier Uh, there's been like a ferris wheel all along with a vacoma boomerang and and all sorts of rides uh so while that's happening betty lets jughead know that she heard from a source that Faisal rocks might be coming back and that his mom is stepping in uh she won't tell him who but assures him that she completely trusts the source. Um, and that is good enough for Jughead. Like, he, he's going to investigate himself, but there's no presumption that it's to prove her wrong, but merely to, to find out what status that is, this is yes. at. Um, and she offers to help, but he's like, no, I, I gotta do this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a fa- it's family. Yeah. <laughs> so Hobbs and Shaw who come <laughs> family yeah we're gonna watch that yeah we are yeah. and i'm going to imagine it's luke evans instead the whole time gaston so archie goes and checks out this uh dilapidated gym a smaller set than the other gym to be sure mm-hmm. the the ring is nearly up to at least two of the walls in, yes. in a way that seems very awkward if one were to have you know a boxing gym operate yes but usable get a broom mm-hmm. uh yeah so, it, it's full of debris and shit like he's, he's got a long cleanup yeah. day besides uh so he calls jughead who's busy typing up the letter mm-hmm. and it's like okay we got a place <laughs> their house rules here's the address for the quest they're calling it their iron mountain so i'm glad we're getting some mountain. upper peninsula representation yeah. in riverdale yeah. michigan pride yeah okay at dusk we'll see each other 
And I'm like, dang, Archie, get sweeping. <laughs> also, are you going to check your farmer's almanac? Can can you not say 7.30? <laughs> no, dusk. dusk. Because that's what you tell a bunch of G&G players. Dusk. It's what you tell them, but your your buddy who's not brainwashed by the game, you can... <laughs> He has a watch. Well, it's always the question of, well, okay, what time does dusk exactly start? <laughs> Which, you know, later when they're questioning where everyone is, maybe they should have put a specific time. Yeah. So, yes. Uh, so, Jughead hands the letters out to the serpents and tells them, you and you go here and here and you and here go here and here. And there was either a place or a person named Induendo. <laughs> Not innuendo, but induendo. Oh, I said it wrong. Innuendo. That's the one. That's the one that grabbed you. Not old Deuteronomy. No. One of the serpents is. You cannot name them old Deuteronomy. For one, they're all teenagers, not old. Uh, two, are are they really into the Torah? What's with the Deuteronomy shout out? But three, the big one. That is a character from Cats. <laughs> You cannot name a member of your, your gang after the cat that decides which cat gets to go to heaven at the end of the Broadway spectacular Cats. <laughs> I was very confused during the scene, though, because my ears just kept going, person or place? Person or place? I'm so confused. And one of the serpents is named Jinx. Yes. Is this the first appearance of Archie Comics character Lil Jinx? I think so. All grown up to become teenage Jinx. Lil Jinx was a, a series of stories about like a, a small girl, like a she was supposed to be like what four or something ish. Yeah. In, in in the strips, and you know she she was precocious and sweet and oh so mischievous. And now we have a serpent named Jinx. So they're they're supposed to wear the gargoyle masks. Mm -hmm. and so the G and G players know it's legit. It, it really is scripture. And, and just and just sell it. This comes straight from R. A. Salvatore. Uh, they're also supposed to keep their ear out um, about a new player in the drug trade. And if yes. they hear anything, they have to come to Jughead and only to Jughead. Mm -hmm. um, Which is normal now because they're all cops, I yes. guess. There's this cool. Uh, shot of all of them walking past him and Jughead's in profile and mm -hmm. you can just see once they're like going past him like his face just gets more worried <laughs> yeah he's not excited for what they're gonna find so then we go check in on uh the speakeasy where Gladys has brought Reggie uh basically pulled him by the ear like a misbehaving child yes because he tried to steal his car back mm -hmm. which ain't his car no more no uh, so Veronica offers to cover the expenses for FP's party to make up for it. Mm -hmm. and, and then she tears the fuck into Reggie for being so dumb. Um, and apparently thinks they're close to paying off the debt, which I didn't know. They were seventy five. They were one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in debt. Yeah, how, I don't think the speakeasy makes that money. How successful is this casino? My God! And you, you were so worried about these two loans that that you couldn't let him in on the business. I'm starting to think this is more of a relationship thing. Yeah. And Reggie also makes that point. Yes. So then it's uh, the club has opened for the night. And Cheryl comes strutting down the stairs in a very fancy red dress with her snake bro or her, her spider brooch. Sort of a half cape. 
Yeah, it's one of those very, like, structured yeah. uh, statement dresses. Or, or like a train that comes off the shoulder more, yes. more than a cape. Yeah. It's like a toga. <laughs> um, structured toga. And uh, Tony's like, damn, but hey, what, what you doing? I'm working. And she's like, well, I'm not here for you. I'm, I'm here to gamble. Ho, ho, ho. Because I'm 17. We don't see her gamble. Instead, we, we see uh, uh, lingering shots of her staring at all of the places money is. Yes. The cage, the tables, the tip jar at the bar. Yes. And we see Tony see her see these things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I really thought that this was going to lead to Cheryl just sitting down and shaming that dude who was raking in arm over yeah. arm at, at the blackjack table. Yeah. No, doesn't happen. Um, so we go to Hiram's boxing ring. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we're waiting for everyone to show up. And my first thought is, is that a blood stain <laughs> on the floor? Of course it is. It's a very big blood stain. And uh, then the cosplay crusaders arrive. Yelling, I'm here for the Red Paladin. We get a bunch of... Darling, are you familiar with the real-life superhero movement? Are these people who think they're superheroes and they just walk around in superhero costumes that they made? They they make their own homemade superhero costumes and they patrol the streets looking for, usually, homeless people to beat up. You know, like Batman does. What the fuck? Others are, are really into community service and they just, like, make sure people have water out on the street. And, and like, if you see something, say something. Away! Because they don't have superpowers. They're just people with homemade masks. <sighs> oh, God. And... What I mean to say is that th- that is what these people remind me of. Yes. Uh, so Jughead welcomes everyone to the battleground and lets them know that to uh, beat the Red Paladin, they have to submit their card and they will go into the ring and they either have to knock him out or if their time runs out, they're done. Their quest is over. Mm-hmm. Um, so first we have uh, what I have named... Instead of the green arrow, the black arrow. Yes. Because it's just the green arrow costume, but in black leather. Definitely some scraps they got from the other side of Vancouver. Yes. And the third fighter, basically the same. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The second fighter looks like he's a big fan of Black Panther. He's a big Michael B. Jordan fan. Yeah. He's trying to grow his hair out long enough for the Killmonger dreads. Yeah. They're not long enough, but there's clear inspiration there. He fucking bites Archie. Yes, right in the shoulder. Shoulder. Archie is laying all these guys out eventually, but everyone is getting their licks in first. Nearly all of them are drawing blood before he gets his one fast, sometimes lucky shot in to knock them out cold. Yes. So then we get a lot of cutting back and forth between two different scenes. So we go to Cheryl, who is sneaking into the club after it has closed and is trying to pick the safe, but then Tony catches her. Because she was clearly casing the joint, Tony knew was going to happen, caught her red-handed. Yes. I, again, we're, we're cutting back and forth, so I, I don't feel bad interrupting to say, there's a minotaur that's going to yeah. attack Archie. Yeah. There, there is a teenage boy dressed as a minotaur. Yes. I didn't know that was a playable race in G&G. This game is starting to win me over. Yeah. And so it's a little more free form than, than I gave it a, a credit for. Yeah. Maybe this is the later edition. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's all hand-to-hand fighting because that is the, the new rules that they imposed. Uh-huh. Why is it only dudes? Half of the G&G players we've seen are women. None mm-hmm. of them got the Red Paladin quest card? G&G sexist. 
whoever's distributing this guest quest card is. It's Hi- it was Hiram and Tallboy originally, there you go. so there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Warden Norton had no women hired as prison guards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh. So back to Cheryl and Tony. Yes. Cheryl has, you the, know. The beast with two backs to Cheryl and yes. Tony. As we said, Tony caught Cheryl. And Cheryl's all like, what you gonna do? Handcuff me. And then Light bulb. Is, Hell yes. There's, it is sexy time. There's unzipping. I said, this is my note. Unzip, booty, oh boy. So we then we proceed to cut back and forth between punch punch mm-hmm. and oh my, <laughs> and I it's, think it's a huge montage of of very tight, active bodies. Yes, uh, <laughs> women loving women and men beating men. <laughs> I think I feel like this is the most like I mean this is definitely the most Cheryl Tony action we've gotten. Yes. I feel like this is the longest scene of any of the couples we've gotten. Yes. The most, like, moments, and they, like, cut between moments, and man, they get to a lot of things during this night. <laughs> they, they perform many actions. There I, is blindfolding and lap dancing happening. There's a blindfold for about three seconds. They did not explore the, the entire realm not. of possibilities. But there's a lot happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people getting punched. A- <laughs> I, th- I mean, this is the show at its most erotic. Yes. And its most violent. It, it, as a whole, it's its most exploitative, like exploitation cinema style. Yes. And all laid over yet another K. Flay song. Somebody in the music department is a real <laughs> fan of K. Flay. She didn't work for the show. <laughs> um, so we are going to go check in on the punch punch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so only 11 cards have been turned in. Uh, so and Archie yells out, uh, who else wants to try? And of course, in walks the 12th. The 12th is is not some uh, teenage junkie. It is Captain Golightly. Captain Golightly, uh, Archie's pet prison guard. Uh, who shows up and and gets a bit of expository uh, introduction from Archie, but in case you don't get it, is wearing a Leopold and Loeb prison sweatshirt? Yeah. I love to wear my work uniform when I get dressed to go out and beat a kid to death. Yes. I want everyone to know where I work. That's the smart thing to do. Cover that in his blood. That's my plan. Yes. So Jughead tells him to enter the Kraken. <laughs> is, uh, is that his character class? Is, <laughs> is Captain Golightly a Kraken? And there's just like blood streaming down um, one side of Archie. I think this is a much better fight than uh, Requiem for a Welterweights. Oh yeah, yeah. it's so much better. Um, we see a f- like... Not that much. I, well, I, think, I mean, this fight specifically. I, I think the, the fighting as a whole is better because... Because of the montage nature of it, yeah. we're only seeing hits. Yeah. And every hit is a new shot, a new setup, or a real solid follow-through. Yeah. And follow-through was, again, the thing that I think was weakest in the other fight. Yeah. Uh, their their combinations looked very stagey. Yeah. We're not sold. Everything is being sold, like, fucking yes. Aiden English uh, in this hey. fight. Hey! I'm trying to drop every reference I know. <laughs> 
Uh, so, uh, the fight starts. Captain Golightly gets some some punches in and is all the upper like, hand. this is for the warden. And then he's like getting ready and he's like, this one's for me. And it goes all like slow motion. And we see Archie's Archie against like, the ropes. He can't, he can barely stand up straight. Yeah. But then in slow motion, we get the best uppercut mm-hmm. right into Captain Golightly's fucking face. <laughs> he, he let his guard down. He wasn't guarding from below, just straight up into the chin. You practically see teeth fly. It's incredible. And uh, he, wins. he wins. And he is no longer a sacrifice. Yes. Because all the paladin cards have been wiped clean. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, we go check in on uh, Cheryl and Tony, who have uh, finished up and summed it up <laughs> as uh, up. that was hot and nice. <laughs> they washed their hands? I <laughs> finished up, put some clothes back on, you know. Yeah. Uh, oh. uh, so then they, they have a conversation about, you know, where they are. And it turns out... Tony still feels uh, shuddered and and not trusted to, to have her own place and and uh, stifled living in Cheryl's you know room because it's not her her room her in her house. home with her gang her gang that she's asserted as hers is now her last thing that is hers yes meanwhile Cheryl is is feeling left alone and abandoned. Uh, because she still is kind of self-centered. And these are problems you cannot fix with sex. Who knew? Yeah. Uh. Uh, so it ends up with, uh, Tony talking about how she feels like she moved in too soon and Mm -hmm. Cheryl telling her, well, maybe you should move out. Yeah. And that's that. Maybe she can get half a month's rent back from Nana. Yeah. (laughs) Nana's nice. I think she would. (laughs) Uh, so Archie goes back all, I don't know if they took him to the hospital, I hope they did, but all like bandaged and cleaned up, Mm -hmm. but very bloody and swollen. So we know what that means, he's looking for sex. Yes, of course. (laughs) So he goes to see Hiram, Ah! like you do, when you're looking for sex. Let's wrestle. Thanks him for letting him use the gym. I take it back, the the wrestling episode was the most erotic the show got, I'm sorry, I forgot. Yeah. (laughs) Let's him know that the quest that Hiram set in motion is finished. And Hiram, I don't know, maybe feeling really guilty because there's this kid who almost died again because <laughs> of his hand is sitting there. Tells him, no, keep the keys. The gym is yours. No strings attached. Yeah, no strings attached my ass. Yeah, I'm like, Archie, don't do it. Don't take those keys. What does Archie do? He takes the, he fucking, takes the keys fucking keys. Because Hiram says, is this is compensation. Sorry for having probably a number of long-term plans to kill you, a child. Yep. <laughs> Have this rundown, decrepit, hopefully condemned, honestly, from a public safety standpoint, hopefully condemned building. Yeah. So, okay, Veronica has Pops and Le Bonnui. Uh-huh. Jughead has the uh, old gargoyle place. Oh, yeah. And the sex hole. Uh Uh-huh. Archie has his second boxing gym. Yes. When's Betty going to get some damn real estate up in here? does she have the sex hole? Maybe maybe she gets the sex hole. Maybe they're joint owners on the sex hole. Happy anniversary. This is your sex hole now. This this is where you live now, Betty. Here's the bucket of Clorox. You don't have a home. (laughs) You can have the sex hole. Oh, what if they, like, fixed it up all OC style for her? 
they put in a skylight and it's not hidden anymore because everyone can just see down into it. Yeah, and they paint like a mur- mural on the wall and like... And then they surprise her, and they're all like, I know things are bad, and your mom's crazy. Oh my god, she's Marissa Cooper. Fuck. (laughs) Played by Marissa Tomei. No. No? Okay. I just want Marissa Tomei on this show. Back to Veronica and Reggie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Reggie comes in and offers to help, and Veronica tears into him about, like, what's been going on what's with you he says he's had issues with how he's being treated how much clearer can he make it like he does all these things and he's more than all these jobs one of the jobs he lists is occasional hookup a casual hookup casual hookup yeah yes and he wants to matter Mm mm-hmm and she's all goes off about how you know she had a traumatic breakup and she wants to take things slow um, and he calls her out on the fact, like, would we be dating if it wasn't for working together? And she says no. But is that such a bad thing? Like, you can't choose how you meet somebody. You can't but. choose how you, in the context in which you get close to them. This is true. But I think for him, it's more like, like, would you have looked at me? Yeah, yeah. Like, you paid me no mind. And he, he feels used. That's yeah, what it is. He feels yeah. used. So he's For all like, this oh. apparently free labor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, so are you, it's almost like, are you dating me just so I do this? Yeah. Yeah. That's th- the that's problem. That's the yeah. point of it all. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for all the supporting characters to, to air their grievances against the central cast. Yeah. Overthrow their oppressors. Mm-hmm. Occupy Riverdale. Yeah. Yes. Every episode will be Bizarro Dale from now on. So... Kevin started a revolution. So Veronica uh, gives him a set of car keys. She had bought his car back from Gladys. Uh, But Uh, then lets him know, now we don't owe each other anything. Yes. She tried to do the right thing. He turned it into a too little too late and walked out clean. Oh, what a move. I feel like she had this idea, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do this thing for him, and then she gets even more pissed at him. Yes. So then she throws that phrase at him, and it's like, well, he's not going to stay. Yeah. (laughs) If you're saying that, that you're, like, pissed that he feels like he deserved anything, Mm -hmm. of course he's going to leave. Because you're not acknowledging, you're still not acknowledging. Yes. Yes. Him. And And Reggie's not a perfect person, but I really, like... I mean, he has every right for what he, how he feels right now. If you go back, a, a great deal of their success, almost all of it, can be traced to her planning and her deals. Mm-hmm. But he's implementing it every single he's time. He's the one risking it's, his butt. It's his neck every time. Like, he got shot. <laughs> he got shot for he you. He got beat up by a gang. <laughs> And I'm not saying he's owed a relationship. I'm saying he's owed respect and dignity. Yeah, that's yes. right. Like, he doesn't... The relationship is not really the factor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. The fact that she was so dismissive yes. of yes. the thought that he would want something. So Fangs and Sweet Pea uh, meet Jughead in the sex hole. And let him know that they have some really bad news. Mm-hmm. Which is to confirm that everything he has heard about Gladys is true. Yes. 
So Gladys goes to the trailer and, uh, or Jughead goes to the trailer and Gladys is there making fried chicken. Uh, and he lets her know that he has heard rumors that she has moved in to take the drug trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you having issues with the fried chicken? And I after? have a problem with Gina Gershon <laughs> having a tense family discussion over fried chicken over fried chicken in a dilapidated kitchen. Were you ready for her to shove a drumstick down his mouth? I was ready for a can of of, uh, of pumpkin pie filling to make an appearance. Yeah. In case anyone doesn't know what we're talking you about. You have to watch Killer Joe. You have to read, read the Killer play Joe. Killer Joe. Watch Killer Joe, the unrated version. Yes, because that has the scene we're talking about. And then you're going to go, ugh. <laughs> a lot. A lot of times. A lot of times. It's hilarious, though, when his sleeve falls in the, the uh, real estate closing meeting. Yeah. It's the funniest fucking joke. It's heavy. It's, it's, heavy. it's heavy. You have to be prepared. But anyway, putting Gina Gershon in anything like that scene again should be outlawed <laughs> for people's safety. She did, like, shove the chicken pointer at him. Yes, she she had very threatening tongs. Yes. So, yeah, so he, he lets her know that he, he knows, and she goes off about how she did it all for him, for the family, uh, giving she them a thro- taste of the American dream. She's talking about, like, do you know where we came from? What we had to do? Right. What to keep food on the table? This might be the first house she's lived in with a, a attached foundation. Yes. Yeah. Talking about how they're finally moving to Elm Street. Mm-hmm. And it's what, you they're know. going to be on the north side, baby. It's what, like, FP's always wanted. And Jughead's not going to say anything because it would break FP's heart. Yes. And she just, she just goes. And, uh, so then we go to the 50th birthday party for FP. Now it's birthday time. And there was a beer fountain. (laughs) And not like being pumped up to rain down. It's just a stack of solo cups and somebody pouring in the top one. Yeah. So there's a giant beer puddle as well. (laughs) So, so Betty wishes FP. P a happy birthday mm-hmm. and he's like oh it wasn't that long ago he threw a party like this for Jughead yeah it was weird because he's a weirdo it, it didn't go great <laughs> thanks for reminding me I would love to see all these 50 year olds because like all the parents have to be around 50 yeah they, they were all in the same year within one or two yeah a lot of 50th birthdays happening in town yeah um I want to see them do secrets and sins that that was the end of that sentence yeah Fred shows up Yes, he does. Fred comes in and gives FP the biggest hug. A weird two-week uh, uh, tradition where Fred just enters in the last five minutes to do emotional care. He gives him a big hug as well, like, hey there, brother. Yes! <laughs> Our FP's like, you know, I'm waiting for someone to come in and, like, kick me out. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fred gives him this this uplifting speech about how, you know, everyone takes a different path to get to where they are mm-hmm. and sometimes it takes longer and soon they're gonna be neighbors and he's really happy about yes. that oh my god and just think back like we, we mentioned this episode earlier when back this when the- <laughs> back when fp was just a giant shithead uh-huh and uh fred the the most like caring 
uh, uh, sees the the bright spot in people guy in town was like, sometimes you just got to let people go. And now look where they are. Look how things have come over 50 chapters. Yeah. Yeah, 45, 42 <laughs> since that time, but still. This wrecked me. <laughs> yeah. Because it's something that was filmed and written long ago, but it's such like a goodbye to my best buddy moment. Yes. I mean, it. it's weird. And it's something that's less weird when you consider, you know, Fred's place in the drama mm-hmm. is to do that kind of thing. That's but, what he does. But the fact that it exists, the fact that they have these accidental goodbye world yeah. moments is it's spooky, uh, actually. Yeah. Well, and this is like when we talked earlier about a transitional thing. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Like how how could this be used? Mm-hmm. How how will this influence what they do with characters later on? It killed me. It killed me because it was just such a moment. And then like Fred's, you know, gives him a little pat on the back and leaves. Mm-hmm. And FP's just kind of standing there, and- standing there, left alone and enjoying his party. And the camera uh, rises up to the ceiling as he looks up to the decorations. These like gold foil stars. With some say FP and some say 50, and he just, he's so content. Like, it's well, the first time he seems to be living the life he, he's always wanted. And I actually kind of disagree a little bit. Okay. I I saw his character more as, um, I don't I don't feel like fully the full content. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he, he feels very uncomfortable. He doesn't know how to be in this situation. Right. He, there's, but, there's a bit of imposter syndrome in there. And there's like this awkward stance like, to him. I'm I'm going to wake up from this dream any moment. Yeah. But at the same time, like that moment when he looks like flicks like the little star, there's like a change. Yeah. And it's like that like, but this is okay. Yeah. I kind of like this. Let's, let's enjoy it while it lasts before the next skeleton in the closet yeah, comes out. Yeah. <laughs> probably doesn't trust it he probably doesn't trust that this will stick around (laughs) um so meanwhile uh we go catch up with cheryl who is playing some croquet in her backyard not invited to the 50th huh i guess i guess she and fp aren't good friends uh and she's wearing all red of course and she texted kevin Mm -hmm. who has come by um, and informs her that the farm is sponsoring this year's musical and that means it's going to be godspell You've always brought up Godspell whenever we talk about shows it's, that this high school could do. It's such a high school musical. It really Every is. Every high school does Godspell. <laughs> Every high school. It's the only time I've actually seen Godspell is in high schools. But she informs him he, he's incorrect. Yes. That they are going to do Heathers because she needs to channel her rage. She is demanding the role of the first character to die. Dies very early. Is this a cry for help? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> On the other hand, she's going to have to get a lot better at croquet if she wants to properly portray Heather Chandler. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin does give the best turn away while rolling his eyes that I've <laughs> ever seen. I think he might have strained his eyes. Yeah, yeah. Like, he has a lot of reasons to say no to Cheryl, but he does know he might die. She does have a mallet in her hand. She never misses with a bow. Yep. <laughs> uh, so back at the party, uh, Gladys gives a speech welcoming everyone mm-hmm. and talks about FP and uh, about how he was once a king, the greatest king, referring mm-hmm. to him as the Serpent King. 
Um, and but he's really the greatest father. Yes, that is that is the role that he excels at. Yes, and she tell invites Jughead to come up. And Jughead gives his birthday speech in front of the old timey advertisement for a living fifteen foot mermaid. <laughs> And it hasn't come up in a long time, so I can't remember if I've asked, but why do the serpents have sort of like a, a classic traveling carnival aesthetic in in certain cases? Their history is inherited Native American tradition. I, I'm thinking somewhere in there it kind of merged with another group. Yeah, we're, they, they just absorbed a lot of snake handlers and snake charmers and, and yeah, tattooed people. Yeah, a lot of carnies. From, from traveling shows? Yes. Okay. Yes. Jughead is definitely figuring this out as he goes. He has a speech, mm-hmm. but he's He's leaving it till with... the final moments to decide which ending this speech gets. Yes. Well, he, he jokes that no Jones men likes birthday parties because <laughs> they're a very broody bunch. I love Jughead's birthday party. Yeah. Just the shot of uh, Betty carrying Bet the cake. cake. Oh, and he talks about how his his dad made him promise to not stop writing, and he, how if he wrote for the rest of his life, he would never come up with a story as good as his. And um, he tells the story of FP from humble beginnings to to king of all bikers to the law. He's he's respectable. He uh, he was a, a lonely broken alcoholic in a jail cell and now he's a family man with it with a new home like Mm -hmm. this this incredible journey that is the american dream and that's how you know we're in the land of fiction yeah and then this whole time you're seeing these flashes of doubt like is and now i tell him and now it's time to come clean and Everybody knows it's not him, so he's safe from the fallout when I talk about mom. And here we... The train has passed. Yeah. Uh, Jughead sells his soul to save his dad's heart. Yes. And and so he he ends his speech. There's there's a moment where he says there's something you need to know. Yeah. But he says... Last chance. That we will always be there for you. Me, Jellybean, mom... And that he's proud to be his son and proud to share his name and and be part of his story. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't tell him. He doesn't say anything. And he goes and he gives his dad this big hug while FP has like tears in his eyes. And meanwhile, gives Gladys the stare. Yeah. (laughs) It's just. My poor sweet fool. And it's like he couldn't tell him mm-hmm. because he's just staring at his dad being happy. Mm-hmm. He's finally getting everything he wants. Then Betty and Jughead are standing away from everyone else. She knows everything we as the audience know. Yes. She lets him know that that was a good speech. And he's like, well, mo- you know, most of it was true. And asks, like, well, what are you going to do? And he says, save Jellybean, protect my dad, and run my mom out of town. You want to help? She gets a big old smile. And it's Hell the yes! Best, the best scene all season. Bughead back in action. Moment where he's like, "This is what I'm fucking doing. We are teaming up, power couple." Yes, they have been separate for so many weeks. Ah, so 
good. It's time it just, to get the dream team back in action. It's like shit is fucking going this down. This is the Riverdale equivalent of like the Predator's handshake. Goddamn sexual Tyrannosaurus. Like Jughead is taking control. Yes. He he has just taken control of this. He's like, this is what's happening. X, Y, and Z. I'm not taking no for an answer. It's going to happen. You you could flip a coin in the ending of this and you could write this as a C and we're like, but what did you expect me to do? It's just, uh. And Betty starts to like lose respect for his integrity and they have rocky times because, oh, we've been sending so much time apart and there's easy drama there and it possibly good. Mm-hmm. But no, they're going to fucking team up and burn this fucker down. And, and save the fa- his family the- that really matters. Yes. And not his lying, like, no good mother who walked out on them all. <laughs> oh, it's dope. It's dope. It, it, it fills me with excitement. That is a, a happy cliffhanger. Yeah. Especially, like, after that scene where you just see him wrestling with it and, like... It's the question of, like, when did he decide this plan? Like, was he second... Did he have this plan? Was he second guessing it all along? Or did he really not know? And then he decided in that moment. I think he didn't know what he was going to do on stage until the moment. Yeah. And then when he was sitting there with Betty and thinking about, like, what that decision means for the two of them, Mm -hmm. never mind everybody else, that's when he's like, well, fuck it, I gotta fix this shit. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I got to do it myself now, but I can do it because we're together. Mm-hmm. Yes. So good. So what'd you think of the episode? This is one of the best episodes they've had in a long fucking time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I mean, like the episodes have been better. Mm-hmm. Like there was a bad time there, for a there's while. There's been a pretty strong there's stretch, been a good but strong, this is like. This is a different level. This is a highlight. There was so much in this episode. Okay. The first 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Had so much in it. Well, but it's Riverdale. It was well done to where I was shocked it was only 11 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was like 20 minutes in. <laughs> and that's how a lot oh. of it felt was they covered so much, but it didn't feel as freaking rushed. Mm-hmm. And like the scenes we were getting were, it wasn't like the other episode where it was like, okay, we're just repeating the same five things. Right. And like we're things covering- ended and things began. Yeah. And we're like, you know, the Reggie Veronica thing. Yes, we're going back to the same thing, but there was a new development each time. Yes. And a conclusion, and, a, an apparent conclusion. Yes. And it was things where it was like, it was de- everything was developing and there was a new approach or a new reaction. It wasn't just the same with different words. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I really enjoy. I think it set up some really good stuff. I think there were some very strong character things. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Really, really strong acting again, uh, particularly the Jones boys. Yes. Well, they they had extra opportunities to shine. Yeah. I say. Yes. Yeah. I enjoyed the Archie Betty Jughead team up. Yes. That was so nice. It was so good to like see the three of them back together again. And Veronica, while she did irritating things, yeah, it it was in a oh, this is actually following through and setting up stuff, not oh, I'm frustrated with this show. Yes, you're making me hate you, Veronica, because of something I'm going to say in the prediction section. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But before uh, we get to predictions, we have two special news items: one real quick one, and one that I think will be the last of its kind. Uh, so let's start with that quickie, the return date. 
of Sabrina, Chilling Adventures of... Beginning of April! Beginning of April, part two. I was so excited. The part two episodes, which I think are supposed to be the end of the first season. Yeah. Eh, yeah. whatever. It... <laughs> Streaming and batch uh, uh, release have totally destroyed the idea of a season anyway. Forget about it. Yeah. Uh, but if you haven't watched it, I highly suggest it. It's really good. It's good. I prefer Riverdale. If you were to go back to our one episode we did on Sabrina yeah. and listen to a lot of the things I said I enjoyed about it, yeah. those are mostly things they moved away from after the first episode. <laughs> the way yeah. they treat magic, I find less interesting. Yeah. I still really like it. I like it. I like Riverdale it's, better. I'm not going to do a show about Sabrina. No, it, it doesn't grab us the same way that this does. But I really enjoy it. It's a show I just really enjoy watching. I love the performances every time, all of them. And... That, I will say, unequivocally. The characters. Yes. It's. I feel like, for me, it's less about the story and more about the characters. Yes. But the other thing, probably last of its kind, is the announcement of Katie Keene. Yeah. From the Katie Keene spinoff. We've talked about the character of Katie Keene before when they announced the spinoff. Mm -hmm. But to reiterate, uh, she's a, one of the more popular non-teen Archie characters. Yes. I think it's Katie Keene and Little Jinx are the most popular non-teen Archie characters. Yes. Yeah. But she's going to be played by Lucy Hale. Yeah. Pretty Little Liars fandom. Yeah. A that's probably how she's most known in general and particularly for the Riverdale demographic. Yes. But Riverdale uh, uh, viewers might recognize her from her one season CW show last year that was preceded. Riverdale was the lead in for the show where she played a, a cancer patient that, you know, went skydiving and Rocky Mountain climbing, etc. Until she found out that uh, she was in remission and suddenly had to live in a world with a tomorrow again. Yeah. Which we didn't watch because it was during our recording time. It's we're not watching All American this year. Yeah. I hear nice things. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I um, am very disappointed in this announcement. Really? Yes. You... I'm really annoyed. Like I don't really like her. Okay. First off, like I just I I've, I don't really like her. Mm -hmm. And I'm really annoyed that they pick someone that is a bigger name. You you wanted another KJ Appa. I did, especially because the trend. Where where are the the white passing Polynesian women? Well, <laughs> no, like I, the trend for how they've been casting people are people who are actors, but either haven't had a big break, mm -hmm. or in some cases were child actors, but lapsed. But it, lapsed. Which is how Cole Sprouse gets in under your bar. Yes, and also um, the girl from uh, Sabrina. Got her name. Kiernan Shipka? Yeah. She had a break. I mean, she was in Mad Men. That stopped, like, a long time ago. Not that long. Quite a while. Okay. She was also, like, a child. That is true. I mean, she's only, like, she was 19 a, she was a now child, or something. Child she's, then, like, a yeah. teenager still. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, she stopped when she was, like, 12. <laughs> yeah, it was only five years ago or something, but it's, like, that's a drastically different age group for how you are as an actor. That's true. That's true. Lucy Hale... There's been, like, no stop. She's been in a thing and a thing and a thing, and I feel like it's mm -hmm. like all kind of been the same, like, uh, pretty face leading lady girl thing. That and that Truth or Dare movie from last year? Yeah. She was in it? For Flophouse listeners? Seriously, throwing out everything I know. Come on. I, I'm just, like, I would have rather have had someone who hasn't had a career 
Mm-hmm. Or if they were, I would rather see someone who's had an interesting career <laughs> where I think, oh, they might do something with this. Mm-hmm. And I know that probably makes me sound like, I don't know, I feel like I sound like a jerk for saying all this. Is this Sour Grapes? Did did you audition? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm not excited because I've heard of her and I've seen what she's done and none of it's and you, exciting. you didn't like it very much. So there's nothing like drawing me into her playing this character. Where like the other people who have been cast, I'm like, oh, I haven't heard of them. What have they done? Oh, okay. I haven't seen this, but this is an interesting, like some stuff that they've done. And I liked her in the first 10 minutes of the first episode of that show she was in last year. Sometimes we leave the TV on while we rearrange our furniture to set up the mic. Yeah. It it went really downhill really fast. (laughs) Uh, you, you know what was a good one-season CW show? No Tomorrow. Oh, I love No Tomorrow. That was really was smart so comedy. I was so incredibly upset funny. that that was only one season. I like the way they ended it, that it could have been more, or it could have ended then either way. It did have a good ending if, since that had to be the ending, but I really wanted more. I wanted to know what happened in their lives. No Tomorrow has this incredible thing where every character had enough humanity to be the central focus of a plot. Mm-hmm. But anytime they weren't, they were the wackiest fucking people yes. that could just be wild and bizarre uh, uh, gag machines. I love that show. It I was would a good like, show. I would like to buy that show. Yeah. If they come out with a DVD set, per- I would get it. Perhaps. I would rewatch that a lot. I think it'd be like, you know how people have like The Office and stuff? Mm-hmm. That would be mine. It's a much shorter rewatch. It's only the one season. I think it was a, a short one, too, like 13 weeks. Yes. Yeah, it was really short. <laughs> I really liked that one. That one was great. So uh, we, we just created Recommendation Corner. Uh, <laughs> that's going to be a fun segment, I guess. Would you like to do one we usually do instead? Predictions? I feel like I've already given predictions throughout this episode. It happens. It tends yeah. to happen. Uh, well, I think Archie is going to build a, a uh, music rehearsal studio into his new gym. Maybe even turn it into a performance venue. Yeah. He's already got a boxing gym. He doesn't need two. But like a place where, where they they can play shows. It's going to become a venue. Yeah. He's going to go all... We've been saying he's becoming Oliver Queen with all his scars. He's going to open a club. <laughs> but a concert venue. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sure. Yeah. I'm also, like, in my brain connecting other OC references, too. Sure, sure. Yeah. Riverdale is a child of the OC, among <laughs> among many other parents. It is yeah. clear. Yeah. So if his dad, lo- or if, if uh, FP loses his position as sheriff, he's he's going to finally take over uh, booking the axe like Veronica had envisioned. <laughs> <laughs> That's... Of all of the one-line things that never actually happened, why is that the one that sticks out in my mind? (laughs) (laughs) Going off of this idea, Uh I'm going to open it, and it's going to be like this whole like partnership thing with Josie. Naturally. But it's going to be the thing that leads to their demise. Yeah. It's going to break them apart. They're going to break up over uh, uh, shared management, sort of like Tony and Cheryl. Yeah, like who gets to headline. Oh, Who's the opener? well, obviously, Josie gets to open because she's the talented one and people want to see her first so they can get to their cars and beat traffic. Yeah, I know how music works. Yeah, <laughs> I think that Veronica's sort of 
business-like treatment of uh, Reggie is the first step on a path where she becomes her father. Or maybe yeah. not even the first. Like, th- this did not seem out of character for her. But it's the... the we're leading to sort of a, a crossing the Rubicon uh, that will eventually lead to a we're not so different, you and I moment. And then she runs away screaming, going, ah! Stated or unstated, but yes, she she is becoming her father, and how it ends depends on how long it takes her to realize. Yeah. Yes. Uh, my prediction is Hermione's dead. <laughs> she didn't come to her friend's 50th birthday party. Because we, we have not seen her, and the last time she was kind of spoken about was Hiram saying to Gladys, she won't be in the picture. <laughs> I think Hermione's dead. I think he told Veronica she went on a trip to Cancun. Mm-hmm. She's hanging she, out with Kevin's mom yep. in a farm upstate where they can run and run as long as they want. Uh-huh. I think that Sweet Pea is going to really co- uh, connect with this whole deputy thing and like <laughs> getting mentored by uh-huh. by an officer and he's going to like life changes will happen. Oh my god. I want Sweet Pea and Fangs to add up to one Barney Fife. Yeah. They get to share one bullet in their shirt pocket and they have to trade off Who gets on it? alternate days. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They keep busting people for jaywalking and then trying to lock them up for eight years. Sweet Pea will actually become a cop and then in the way future episode <laughs> we'll have to deal with FP actually like giving him his badge and having to hand over the gun that he said he would never give him. Be <laughs> <laughs> like, boy, I never thought I'd see the day. I can't wait for the apparently 30 year flash forward. <laughs> God. 30 the, year? The he can be a cop in like eight. But but just to to keep the, the parallel with the Midnight oh, Club, okay. they had a 32 year old flashback. They can do a 32-year-old flash forward just to, to maintain balance. Yeah. I understand it's the 50th episode. You want to do a 50th birthday, but you established a timeline. Yes. You established a timeline in maybe the other best episode of the year. Yes. You have to respect it. Apparently, they have no one on their writer staff that keeps a flowchart. Nobody cares about continuity in this company. Nobody. It's just me. You remember the Archie Married Life comic that ended with Archie dying? It has a sequel series coming out soon. (laughs) What the fuck? I'm very upset. I'm sorry. (laughs) I expect this from superhero books. I honestly believe that Archie's death would be permanent. Yeah. And if they ever decided to tell another adult Archie story, it wouldn't be a a sequel to the same series where he died. No. How? Aliens. You'll find out he was abducted right after death and they brought him back I to life. I have to at least get the first <laughs> issue to see if they say anything about it. Am, am I misjudging the Archie Married Life timeline? Does it take place before Kevin's run for Senate? Maybe. Maybe. Hopefully. But then why does he have kids? He doesn't have kids in that run. <laughs> I love you. I love you too. Love you very much. Okay. I'm spiking the audio. Yes, you are. It's you this time and not me. So, darling, uh, our next episode. Yes. 
is chapter 51, Big Fun. Yeah. We talked all about some things we expect in uh, our Heather's bonus because, yes, as Cheryl so clearly signposted, next week will be when they... Uh, uh, when the school performs Heathers the Musical. Mm-hmm. Our trailer, we see them rehearsing Heathers. We hear Betty talking about how it's being used as a farm indoctrination. Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder if she's referring to Heathers as a venue for farm in, uh, indoctrination, which would make sense why, why they're sponsoring it, why they're yeah. supporting it. Uh, we see Jughead holding his head and being very upset. A lot of dance numbers, a lot of farmies in white with candles. Yes. I'm so excited. I am hoping they learned lessons from last year's musical and improve the behind the scenes stuff. Because we were fairly positive on most of the performances last year. Yeah. And I think that's because we only experienced them watching the episode. Yes. Just to prepare, I I listened to the uh, uh, cast album they put out. Uh, on on Spotify and other streaming, and I think... I know they had a physical edition on vinyl available at Urban Outfitters, which makes perfect sense the more you think about it. But uh, just as recordings, I really get the sign that there was not a lot of vocal direction. Yeah. Just about everybody is singing for a different kind of music. Yes. Uh, so, So the group songs in particular... Uh, as fun as they are filmed with the choreography, with the filming, with everything, just the song alone, it, it just sounds really disjointed. I'm not surprised about that. I'm not surprised either, but I hope they realize it and take steps to make that yeah. not true in Heathers. Yeah. As much as I would like that, mm-hmm. I'm not surprised that was the case. And I really didn't expect, I didn't expect like Broadway quality singing from anyone, except All... maybe Casey Cott. Well, Yes. I You're mean, related to Broadway. And and many of them were very, very good, but aiming for different styles yeah. that, that are incongruous next to each other, next to each other, next to each other. Yeah. I mean, that is a struggle, I feel like, when using people who are not musical. Mm-hmm. They're not musical performers. Right. The, the easy fix is having everyone record at the same time, the same day or two or three in the studio. Mm-hmm. I say that's the easy fix, but I know it's the most difficult thing yes. when you're filming something with this many characters, this many sets, this many shot yes. setups. I get it. But, like, hopefully they budgeted that time. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. We'll, see. we'll hear, actually. No matter what, it's going to be fun. <laughs> Heather's the musical has really great music. Mm-hmm. Even though they make Veronica seem like a good character, and she's not. I feel like they go even farther with that in the changes they made uh, on West End and all future productions. <gasps> the one that really stands out to me is uh, the new song they added for her, I Say No, where she says, like, quote, you need help I cannot provide. She's saying particularly mature and very, honestly, 2018 statements about uh, uh, seeking mental health and uh, uh, recognizing the limits of your own ability in a relationship. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, okay... When film Veronica is the kind of person to deal with problems by uh, popping the car cigarette lighter and burning her palm. Yes. Yeah. A lot of this does have to do with the time, and it's like, well, if you stuck to that, like, could you get away with it nowadays? Mm, Probably not. 
but it's so weird to then see like the source <laughs> material and then have it changed like that and it's like she's not a good character she's not supposed to be a good person <laughs> she's supposed to have all these problems and faults mm-hmm we clearly have a lot of Heather's thoughts, so it's a good thing that we got practically all of them out. We laid so much groundwork for you in a recent bonus episode just called Heather's. Yeah. Uh, it's just a couple episodes back in your feed. I encourage you to check it out, uh, especially if you are not familiar with the film and or musical. Yep. Uh, like we discussed then, you're obviously going to be hearing the music from the musical, but just the nature of audience sizes and Heather's the film being such a landmark in, and even an argument could be made for spawning the genre that Riverdale is in. They're gonna have some, some shots borrowed. They're, they're going to borrow a lot from the film. I, I would eat my hat if they don't. Yeah. On to housekeeping. I do want to wish you a happy birthday again, dear. Aw, thank you. This will be going up on my birthday. You are probably listening to this on the 14th of March, mm-hmm. which is somebody's birthday. My birthday. I'm going to be old. <laughs> Darling, it's only one day. If you're going to be old tomorrow, you're already old. I know. <laughs> you're going to be a youngin. I'm the older woman. <laughs> <laughs> If anyone is moved to to give my my dear beloved wife uh, any birthday wishes, I would absolutely encourage those. I would encourage people to leave us a rating and review and for <laughs> it to be good because it's my birthday. That's true. That's true. Uh, Apple Podcasts, those those uh, recommendations really do help us uh, uh, with our visibility in the crowded world of Riverdale fandom. Yeah. Uh, you can also tell a friend. Yeah. They help us with visibility among the people you like. And don't you want to share things you like with the people you like? Yeah. Yeah. You should. It you makes, should. in my experience, it makes my life better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So with that, I'm Elena. I'm Grant. And from us here at Sex Archie. Enter the Kraken. Sugar. Oh, honey, honey. You are my candy girl. Please.